Recently, there was a Mega Millions lottery jackpot of $1.3 billion. Nathan and I decided to buy a few tickets. Why not? And immediately, we felt like we had already won. Wow, what are we going to do with the money? Let our parents retire, buy them a house, give money to our siblings and friends, buy our own home, pay off debt. That moment of hope and imagination was really nice. When living under capitalism, what's our chance of ever actually having all of our needs met and more? For most people, it would take winning the lottery, whether that be the literal mega millions or being born into a deeply wealthy family. So there I was thinking, what if I no longer had any money problems? What if I could afford to help everyone I love, even if just a bit? What if I could ensure we were taken care of? We have housing, savings, retirement. Most people feel like if we were rich, all of our problems would be solved, or at least most of them. But very quickly, I got overwhelmed by my imaginary lottery scenario. I was mentally hashing out the specific details of how much to give to who and when. Could it be that the old adage of more money, more problems is true? Well, it doesn't matter because, spoiler alert, I did not win the billion dollar jackpot. But so many things about this topic fascinate me. I actually started writing a script on the lottery like two years ago, and this finally brought me back to it. So in this video, I just want to chat about the lottery and rich people and money. Cheers. Hi, before we get started, I literally have to acknowledge how sweaty and shiny I look throughout the duration of this video, and it only gets worse. It was so warm that day, and I always have to film without ventilation. Anyway, not the point. Bye. I won. What's next? There is plenty of advice online about what to do if you were to win the lottery and how to handle the windfall the right way. Most sources say to immediately lawyer up, find a wealth manager, and sometimes even create a trust for tax and wealth protection purposes. Next, you've got to decide, do you take the lump sum or the annuity payments? You've got to make an informed decision, so I'm going to probably over-explain this. The lump sum is a one-time payment, and the amount is the actual cash on hand in the prize pool. And I actually didn't know that part. I guess I just thought that they picked, like, a random number for the lump sum, like a penalty, because you're not being patient? I don't know. For this example, the lump sum was $780 million in cash, which works out to $593 million after tax. I saw this post on the subreddit, if I won the lottery, the winner is getting $593 million out of the $1.3 billion advertised. Would you be disappointed if that's all you were getting? And that makes me laugh because who the hell would be disappointed? Anyway, the advertised jackpot of 1.3 billion, they don't actually have that. Its value is an estimate based on projected lottery ticket sales and the current 30-year U.S. Treasury rate. So people argue about what the best choice is mathematically, but I think a lot of this decision comes down to your personality and spending habits. Some people worry they'd be likely to blow their lump sum even if it were hundreds of millions of dollars. Can't trust yourself with that much money at once? Honestly, I don't blame you. That is an unreal number. And I recently became addicted to mobile games again, so we all have our vices. Then we have annuity payments, which are best for people who want a steady, consistent stream of money. This jackpot would have paid about $19 million for the first payment, and then each year that amount increases by 5% until the whole $1.3 billion gets paid out over 30 years. So the math people say take the lump sum, invest it, and then you'll end up earning more than even the jackpot would have been. This whole question of maximizing returns is kind of funny to me. You won the lottery. Do you really need to 
still be thinking about investing, though you could always argue, yes, I need more money for my family, for my friends, for everyone's future. I do get it if you had won a smaller amount, like you're not set for life, so you do wanna, you know, grow that amount, make it go further. But when it comes to these mega jackpot winners, you won capitalism, babes. You have hundreds of millions or even tens of millions of dollars. You should be chilling. Why do we have the desire to always continue to grow our wealth no matter how much we have? Why is it that even the super rich are never satisfied? Before we continue, this portion of today's video is sponsored by ThreadUp. ThreadUp is a massive online thrift store that helps you find all of the brands and items that you love for up to 90% off retail price. Fun fact, August is secondhand month. Did you know? Buying one used item reduces its carbon waste and water footprints by 82%. There are so many great items out there already in existence. Plus, for those of us who have not won the lottery, or even if you have, it's always nice to save money on your clothes. With that, let's see what I picked from ThreadUp this time. First, we have these linen pants from Target. They were new with tags and a bit long for me, so I hemmed them myself. It was a great reason to break out my sewing machine, and now I feel an eternal connection to them. Then we have basically what has been my uniform this summer. I've been going on a lot of walks, so this, this is my look. Here's a great basic, this cotton on t-shirt, and my first ever pair of Lululemon yoga pants slash flared leggings. They're great, and I am very glad I didn't have to pay full price. Estimated retail is $105. I got them for $49. Next up, I've been looking for a pair of jeans like this, more of a wide leg straight pair, and these are golden. I really love that there's the relaxed fit through the legs, but you've still got a nice tight fit on the butt. Estimated retail was $35. I got them for $15.24. And lastly, perhaps a bit of a curveball, but I've had clogs on my list for over a year. Look at these Mary Jane style Dansko clogs. They are incredibly comfy and everything I ever expected. Estimated retail is $127. I got them for $54. So next time you've got something on your wish list, maybe you're attending a wedding soon, try secondhand first and check out ThreadUp. You can get an extra 35% off your first order and free shipping with my code Tiffany35. Thank you very much, ThreadUp. Let's get back into it. But what about the curse of the lotto win? Okay, now you've won. You have all the right people in your corner. Time to enjoy life, right? A lot of people say that they would stay private and really low-key after winning the lottery. Oh, I'll just create an anonymous trust. No one will know. Aside from your likely increase in conspicuous spending that would probably blow your cover, you also may not be allowed to stay incognito. Many states require the winners of the lottery to be named along with the location of the winning ticket. This is all to prevent lotto fraud, but as someone who greatly values privacy, the idea that everyone would suddenly know my name, face, and the fact that I had millions coming my way, a no thank you. Being publicly and suddenly super rich can become dangerous very fast. Many lotto winners become a target for stalking, kidnapping, death threats, fraud, and murder, which is again why I'm more in favor of keeping identities private for the sake of safety. Now, of course, the state and the lottery can know, but ideally not just like any person online could look that up. There are endless stories about lottery winners who went broke, lost it all, whatever. Many of these stories are pretty tragic, honestly. 
And in researching this, I found that a lot of people love hearing these stories. We're fascinated by the downfall of the lottery winner narratives. And most people believe that if they were in the same position, they would have done it right, of course. The narrative goes like this. Average Joe gets the chance to be mega rich. We all dream of being that person. Then we see this previously humble person turn bad. They become selfish, reclusive, arrogant, obnoxious. The lifestyle creep catches up to them. Then we villainize them. They're rich, so we don't feel any empathy. It's very hard for me to feel bad for you. Like, sorry you won millions of dollars? Then they have their complete fall from grace, resulting in lawsuits, bankruptcy, and even death. These stories are pretty interesting. They've got all the classic trappings of true crime. You've got the financial crimes, the fraud, the schemes. And yes, often you have the betrayal and murder plots as well, which we know are very popular in media. I think it comes down to feeling like these people, these failures, deserved their downfall. We might even feel some sick satisfaction or superiority in watching people blow all their money on dumb shit. As one smug Redditor said, a large portion of lottery winners don't make wise financial decisions. Remember, they were playing the lottery! But I think it's very important to remember these were regular ass people who have been thrust into sudden fortune. The purpose of this video is definitely not to be like, oh, being rich is hard. Let's feel bad for the richies. But I do empathize with people who were likely low income, probably don't have great financial literacy, or at least not the experience managing millions of dollars, and now have more money than they know what to do with. This isn't to say lottery winners can't make stupid or bad or reckless financial decisions. And of course, winning the lottery doesn't make you an angel. It might actually turn you into a rich asshole. However, ultimately, I don't think that winning the lottery or a game show or a contest should put a target on your back and make it okay for people to cheer or wish for your downfall. And potential hot take, I do believe that big lottery winners should get some kind of support. I think the same thing about reality TV contestants. I talk about this with Love Island all the time. Suddenly your life is very different overnight. You're famous, you've got tons of money and scammers coming your way. Providing counseling and some kind of legal advice would be a good start. And actually, France does have a system like this. The FDJ group has a prize winner relations department, which provides a support system for its major prize winners, including long-term support workshops, money management tips. I don't know how effective or actually helpful this is, but it sounds like a good start at least. Continuing on, it must be a huge culture shock to become part of the 1% overnight. It is fascinating how money can change people. Studies have shown that even small-time lotto winners quickly find themselves aligning with the interests of the rich. People begin to move for the right politically. Suddenly, they're much more anti-tax. No surprise there. And socially, too, I bet a lot of winners want to fit in and enjoy their new life as a rich person. Even going back to the French FDJ group, a big component of that is winners going to fancy places to hang out with other winners who can relate. They have family getaways to chat casually about the worries of the wealthy while enjoying a pleasant setting. I assume a lot of these conversations have to do with basically assimilating into rich people culture. How to really fit in with the upper crust. Walk the walk, talk the talk, and do not embarrass yourself at the gala. But does money automatically give you the class, culture, and respect that comes from being ultra-rich? Enter the Billionaires Club. 
On that same subreddit question, I found this absolutely wild response, basically about chasing the elusive title of billionaire just for the exclusivity of it. They say, being a millionaire is great, but in this day and age, it's barely a bragworthy title. But billionaires are in a totally different league. I'd imagine nothing is off limits for them. I just think that being on that list would make you socially and politically worth more. I'm just so curious and borderline fascinated with what it must be like to be in the most exclusive club on earth. Do they think there's a literal list, like a physical club, that you're going to get an invitation to? Whatever. I just know billionaires have access to certain things and privileges that a regular old 400 million something heir doesn't. Um, exactly what privileges and access to certain things does this person want? Do they think the second you become a billionaire, you're going to be chilling with Bezos in a Squid Games type situation? And that's what they're into? I can't even imagine the life that would come with the title of billionaire. The people you'll meet, the places you'll go, the things you can have and do. If there isn't an Illuminati, then the Billionaires Club is probably the next closest thing. Imagine being a part of that. Being in the top 0.1% wealthiest people in the world is a greedy little fantasy of mine. Okay, so this person really does just want to join the Illuminati. Greedy little fantasy is right. And I thought way too much about this comment. It has disturbed me to my core. First of all, Redditor, you think the money people are going to like you? Nice handout. Sorry to crush your hopes, but they're not letting you into the club. Any person who actively dreams of this level of wealth for the sake of their own status and elitism, it's just very weird. The people who hoard wealth to successfully become billionaires do so via exploitation. Billionaires should not exist and they very much should not be people to look up to and hope that you can rub elbows with. And I personally would never want to see what happens behind the closed doors of a so-called billionaires club. Allow me to pause my tangents about rich people's weirdness for a moment. Let's get back to the lottery. It goes by many names. Some people call it a stupid tax. Some say it's a tax on people who suck at math. Ha ha. Because come on, who in their right mind would waste their money to have a 1 in a 100 million chance at winning? Well, the lottery is also often called a tax on the poor because lower income people as a group tend to spend a disproportionate amount of their income on the lottery. This doesn't mean that low income groups are spending the actual most amount of money, but again, each $2 ticket is worth a lot more to someone who earns $20,000 a year than it would be to someone earning six figures. Um, if you're poor, why are you wasting your money on the lottery? You should be investing. Have you heard of this app called Robinhood? It comes down to a lack of livable wages and no social safety nets. It means people have to rely on wishful thinking. For some, things like winning big in a lottery or contest or gambling feel like their only chance to have some semblance of financial stability. But also, the state and national lotteries are heavily promoted. Especially if you're someone prone to frequent gambling, it can be really hard to resist. Every time you go to a gas station or a grocery store, you might be tempted to play. Pro-lottery propaganda will emphasize that a portion of lottery proceeds support really good causes. Billions of dollars flow to public programs like education, senior assistance, land conservation, veteran support, and pension funds. Because people play, I received the promised scholarship. And I won five bucks! When you play the West Virginia Lottery, we all win! Every lottery purchase you make helps support a variety of educational programs and instructional materials for California classrooms. 
Thank you for your support. When you play, you give. Therefore, playing the lottery is good, actually. Thank you very much for your generous donation to education. Okay, sure, those sound like good causes, but shouldn't taxes pay for things like education? Well, the lotteries in the U.S. basically exist because states want to keep their taxes low because people hate taxes, but we still need to bring in revenue to pay for those important things. Lottery revenue ends up accounting for about 3% of state budgets. Quote, this is why lotteries don't have a lot of political enemies. The money is impossible for elected officials of both parties to resist. At the same time, as the lottery has grown stronger, so has the fundamental case against it, that the lottery is regressive, taking from the poor and giving to the rich. Over the past 40 years, the lottery has played a key role in the broader shift of the American tax burden away from the wealthy... It's far easier politically for states to raise money through a lottery than through more progressive means like corporate or property taxes. So basically, instead of increasing taxes, especially in higher income brackets, we have a system where lower income people are subsidizing those tax cuts. And also, going back to those good causes, the lottery revenue earmarked for good causes doesn't usually result in an increased budget for that thing. Tax dollars are fungible, and lottery revenue is generally offset dollar for dollar by cuts in spending from other sources. Great, now I'm just sitting here thinking about taxes. Oh, wouldn't it be great if our tax dollars actually went to support people, like paying for education, public universal health care, increasing disability payments to something where people can actually live and survive, providing affordable housing. Imagine that. Imagine that. But then if people did have their needs met, they had a basic, comfortable, safe standard of living, a livable wage, a social safety net they could rely on. I bet a lot of them, if not most of them, would not feel compelled to play the lottery. Hmm. Perhaps perpetuating this system benefits some people and organizations and governments. Okay, Tiffany, you might be saying, but what about philanthropy? Even if the lottery revenue and where it goes isn't perfect, at least some of these super rich people are going to be giving away lots of money. So that helps, right? Everyone says if they won the lottery, they would donate some of it, some undisclosed amount, which, hey, I don't blame you, and I can't police how much each lottery winner must give away. This is not like compulsory um, tithing or something similar. But yeah, if you did happen to win like tens of millions of dollars and didn't give any away, it would not be a good look. Again, going back to my personal lottery fantasy, I think the portion of giving money away would be very satisfying. It would be great to just go on like GoFundMe and just knock out campaign after campaign, anonymously making people's day. Though scrolling through GoFundMe is a constant reminder of these systemic failures and the fact that so many people are not getting their various needs met. They're desperately in need of help and they aren't being supported. And then we have to resort to online fundraisers and hope that, you know, the kindness of strangers and the people in your larger community will be able to help you get the funds. It's like those classic child raises lots of money with lemonade stand to pay for their cancer treatment that's not a good story it's fucking atrocious 
But anyway, I don't know how many super, super rich people or like mega lottery jackpot winners are just going around sending money to GoFundMes. A very popular thing with the super rich is to set up a foundation. If you have a particular cause that's super close to your heart, seems like a really good thing to do. But actually, these structures are not set up for pure altruism. They end up benefiting the rich via tax breaks, control over their donations, and positive PR. Now, of course, I'm cynical about this. I can't help it, but this is just generous rich people propaganda. It is still part of the capitalist narrative that tells us that we need these super rich people and their generosity to survive. And actually, rich people are not bad. Stop listening to those people who are mean to the rich people. (laughs) Rich people are good. Rich people give so much and they don't have to do that. They're giving out of the goodness of their heart. And I don't think as much of this applies to lottery winners specifically, though I'm sure some of them have set up foundations or organizations. I really just wanted another opportunity to shit on billionaires. So here we go. The very rich in this country have used philanthropy as a public relations device. Jeff Bezos, for example, provided during the pandemic $100 million to food banks. Well, yes, that was good, but $100 million, that's 11 days worth of Jeff Bezos' income off of his assets. 11 days, folks. So billionaires earn money from us consumers. They maximize their profits by exploiting their workers and underpaying them. Then they do philanthropy for the sake of tax breaks, which we the people pay for. I, I'm not a fan. The US Treasury estimates philanthropy will cost it $740 billion in lost tax revenue over the next decade. My point for this section is that deep-rooted systemic issues cannot be solved by individual contributions or charitable donations. Of course, charities can help some people. It's a band-aid. And often, charities actually end up causing more problems. Like voluntourism, for example, which is a huge can of worms. Too much to get into now, but there's a lot of information out there. I recommend you look into it. However, mutual aid is great. Supporting communities and helping people get their immediate needs met, helping them survive is great. Mutual aid is about solidarity, not charity. And ideally, the end goal is to eliminate or minimize the need to even have things like mutual aid. But ultimately, what I would love to see more of is rich people intentionally not taking the tax breaks or whatever that they're entitled to, according to our current tax code. You don't need those loopholes or write-offs. You can afford it, believe me. And you don't get any credit or any tax breaks from it. I'd like to see that. Real altruism for most people at the Robin Hood Gala would be to stop doing business the way they do business. Lastly, I want to talk about scamming the scammer. I discovered the movie Jerry and Marge Go Large. Its premise is basically man finds a loophole in the lottery, they beat it with the power of math, then they split the profits with the whole town. It's very feel good and the movie is based on a true story, which I am always a sucker for. I'm intrigued. On one hand, you're scamming the scammer, love that. And you've got the kind of socialist narrative of let's share the win with everyone. So I watched this movie as part of my research for this video. And honestly, it did not teach me much about the lottery, though I love when Brian Cranston plays a middle-aged dad who's good at STEM and figures out a way to make tons of money. (laughs) That's my trope. 
after the movie, I wanted to know what was real. And was their whole strategy legal? I read this article by Jason Fagan, which I think is the article that the movie is based on. And by the way, spoiler alert for this movie, if you're very eager to watch it, skip the section. Basically, what they did was, Jerry and Marge, they found this loophole in the lottery. If you bought enough tickets, like a ton of tickets, eventually you'd get to the point where the average value or the return on each ticket would be worth more than what you paid for it. I don't know math, but that's close enough. They made a corporation and their friends and family and members of the town became shareholders. They would all pool their money and just continue buying more and more tickets each round. And it was a very painstaking process. Jerry and Marge would go to these two convenience stores and they would stand at the machines printing tickets for like 12 hours a day for weeks on end. And then they would manually check each ticket by eye. Again, I can't even look at my phone after a long day. In Jerry's opinion, if he was purchasing large quantities of tickets at certain opportune moments, he wouldn't be manipulating the game. He would be playing it as it was meant to be played. His tickets would have the same odds of winning as anyone else's. He would just be buying a lot more of them. Technically, they did break two small rules. They operated the lotto machines behind the counter, which only the employees are supposed to do, and they used the machines after hours. But overall, their scheme was legal. And the Massachusetts State Lottery basically went along with it and let it continue happening because of the sheer number of tickets they were buying. They were bringing in a ton of revenue, and 40% of that was going to the state. So they weren't complaining. Another question I had after watching, were they really competing with Ivy League students? In the movie, they introduced their enemies. These Harvard students also found the loophole and were doing the exact same thing. And then each group was winning less because of the competition. Now, I totally thought this part was fabricated just for the drama. It reminded me of that movie 21, where a bunch of college students start making bank counting cards in blackjack. Fun fact, I saw that film in theaters in 2008 as my first date with my middle school boyfriend. I will never forget the sweaty hands. Anyway, that part was indeed true, except the students were not from Harvard, but from MIT. But most importantly, did Jerry and Marge actually use their profits to help the town? In the movie, this is a big part of the narrative. It's like, let's share this. Let's bring everybody in. Let's save our small town. They end up basically subsidizing a few shops and they bring back everyone's favorite event, Jazz Fest. But in the article, it seemed unclear. Obviously, the shareholders of the company benefited, and many of those members were from the town. So, yeah, indirectly, the town, some of the town benefited, but not in a direct mutual aid kind of way. I mean, again, at least they brought people in to share the wealth, but also they needed other people to join in and throw their money into the pool in order to continue buying more tickets. So it's like, you know. However, there was a critique from the investigative reporter who was the first one to kind of notice and break the story. And that was basically, were they essentially taking poor people's small contributions to the lottery and collectively 
allowing a now wealthy group to win that money. According to investigative reporter Andrea Estes's research, Cash Windfall, the game, assured a profit, statistically speaking, for anyone who could spend at least $100,000 in tickets on a roll-down week. This meant, Estes wrote, that the casual lottery players were unwittingly subsidizing the fortunes of the big groups by purchasing tickets in smaller amounts and at less opportune moments when the odds were much longer. And that was an interesting point because uh, as Sheridan and I were writing this video and talking about the lottery, one little question we thought of was like, is the lottery socialist or capitalist? And like, obviously it's capitalist. It's part of a capitalist system, but there are some narratives that try to promote the lottery as more of a socialist kind of idea, though it's really like a reverse like you're taking money from the many and again, many low-income people and giving it to like a few, which doesn't seem very socialist at all, right? Though again, that idea of, oh, but we're giving an opportunity to those same lower income people to potentially win a lot of money. Is that socialism? No, still not. <laughs> but is winning the lottery more likely to make you more of a capitalist, not less? Probably. You can start out as some small town person, but then you get a lot of money and all of the all the weight that comes along with that, the desire to maximize your wealth, to protect your money, to fight off those damn taxes. It's very interesting. So again, Jerry and Marge go large, that whole town benefit, you know, narrative kind of disappointed me in the end because it didn't really turn out to be that true. But I would love to see some kind of actual Robin Hood socialist lottery scheme if it's possible or at least like an actual organized group of people planning to game the lottery which there is a lot of there's a lot of stories like this where someone's really good at math and they figure out a way to win so like yeah people creating a group and the intention was let's use these winnings for mutual aid rather than ending up being the kind of individualistic benefit or the corporate philanthropy that we tend to see. So that is it. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, this is my first time filming in this new space. We actually moved again. Long story, but it's been nice. Um, but this is my new office. It's been very hot today, and I've had to take breaks sitting in front of a fan because I am indeed shiny and melting. And thank you again to ThreadUp. Remember, you can use my code Tiffany35, link in the description. Get 35% off your first order and free shipping. And a big thank you to my sweet, sweet Patreon supporters. If you want a little behind the scenes stuff, some bonus content, monthly live streams, or just want to support, check out Patreon. Extra thanks to my executive producer tier. We have Uwu Face, Abby Hayden, Cassandra Toner, Eric Danielson, Freshly Laundered, Jaden C, Jackie King, Gemma Kwok, Jill Hoffman, Joe Fernandez, Julie Leva, Casey Luck, Kristen Holloman, Matthew Gray, and Megan Collins. MegCat33, Nicole Louise, Online DVT Skills, Rob Sanders, Rohana Barden, Sarah Kemi, Stevie May, Tessa Thompson, Tom Walker, Treffa, and VivianOladon.com. Thank you very much. Stay tuned for future internet analysis episodes, and that is all. Okay, thanks, bye!